consider this. Uh, according to a 2019 report, Canada's climate is warming two times faster than the global average and three times faster in the north of the country. So to better cope with the effects of climate change and these kind of natural weather disasters, Ottawa plans in the coming year to finalize its national adaptation strategy. It's a set of plans and procedures to improve Canada's climate resilience. And Paul Kovacs is the founder and executive director of the Institute for Catastrophic Loss Reduction at Western University. And Paul is with us now. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Hi, Martin. Thank you for the opportunity. Great. So I guess my first question is, or was, <laughs> how prepared were we for, for what went down this year from the fires to the flooding? How prepared were we? I think uh, this past year shows the best, but also the worst of uh, what we're doing. Uh, on the positive side, um, when something bad happens, we help our neighbors. The first responders are amazing. They step up and help us. Um, the loss of life was minimized. The um, actions taken to help us uh, immediately when an event occurs is remarkable, and, and we do that very well. Uh, but in terms of being prepared, um, some of the events we could have done much better to be prepared. Our infrastructure should be designed for today's weather and, what, and the weather that's coming. Our buildings, our structures, our understanding. Uh, there's many different ways where we can do much better than we have. The losses were more extreme than they should have been. Mm -hmm. And so what, what do you want to see in this strategy? I, I assume this is a good first step in your mind, but this, this new federal strategy, what, what do you think is crucial that they look at? Um, it's been almost 30 years since the Earth Summit in Rio, and at that time there was a global commitment from Canada but all the other countries around the world that we would take action to reduce our emissions and we would take action to be better prepared. And the global conversation about emission reduction isn't going very well, but, but there are plans and we are doing things. We have gas tax and uh, carbon taxes, etc. Um, and this will be the first time we will have a national strategy for adaptation. Uh, this is overdue. We should have done this years ago, but I'm glad it is coming. I'm glad there is a commitment to having a national strategy before the end of next year. Um, and I think that strategy can include a very strong commitment that we will design our infrastructure for today and tomorrow's weather, that we will design our, our buildings and take care of our structures for today and tomorrow's weather. There's a number of different ways that um, having a national strategy and implementing and acting upon it can take the science that some of us are generating and bring it to, uh, to help protect us. Right. And, and so this is all about adaptation. So, so sort of, uh, preparing infrastructure for problems. What, what are the, the real, uh, the priorities in, in that case? So across all of the climate related hazards, we actually have a lot of scientific knowledge about how to be better prepared. Um, it can rain really hard and you get flooding. So if you design your infrastructure and your buildings not for yesterday's weather, but for the weather that's coming, then you've um, anticipated more water than we've had in the past. You've, you've prepared for what you can do. Uh, wildfires. Wildfires have been increasing in frequency and severity for some time now. And all of the science says it's going to get worse before it gets better. 
Um, but we can be ready. We can be better ready, anyway, for wildfires. Um, we should be building all of our structures so that they, we have a fire-resistant roof and cladding, and we don't have uh, things that burn planted near the buildings. There's a variety of things where the science is quite clear. We need to get on with implementing them. Yeah, and I, I guess, like you say, there are little things that that everybody can do, like like not uh, planting certain uh, foliage near a house or certain roofing materials. So how how close are we to to being prepared in that way? That that the the regulations for say roofing materials. Uh, do you think there be, needs to be more regulation for that kind of stuff? In a word, yes. Um, the slightly longer answer, uh, I'm a researcher. So in my opinion, for most of the climate-related hazards, we know what to do. Um, the science is not being debated anymore. We know how to um, build properly and, and to maintain structures and to uh, locate in a proper location. Uh, the science is pretty clear. Acting upon it costs money. Um, these threats are a threat that can, can lead to damage, and you can avoid it by spending some money. So are we willing to spend the money to act upon that? Uh, acting upon that requires political leadership through rules and regulations, uh, changing building codes, etc. Uh, Canada does not have a wildfire building code. We know how to build buildings so they're less likely to be experienced by wildfire, and there's guides, suggestive guides, through uh, outstanding programs like Fire Smart. Um, the science is pretty clear. Uh, we have not gone the extra step of requiring it through government rules and regulations uh, in, in most cases. And, uh, we haven't gone the um, extra step of people choosing to spend the money to protect themselves. Right. And, and we always hear these things described as once-in-a-lifetime you know, uh, events, once-in-500-year events. Um, do we really know with the science of, of climate change and what's going on, um, just how often these kinds of uh, weather catastrophes are going to happen, or are we still kind of guessing? So the science, as you shared earlier, um, is very clear on some elements. Canada has been warming twice as fast as the rest of the world, and warming brings a greater frequency and severity of a lot of things like the risk of wildfires, like the risk of uh, extreme rainfall. Um, there is uncertainty in dealing with any of these issues, but there is enough scientific knowledge to allow for action. We know the right things to do, and we have enough knowledge about the likelihood of these things occurring so that we can get on with this now. Uh, there will always be uncertainty. But there is sufficient scientific advice and evidence and climatic information so that we can be acting right now. Right. And, and do, you, do you feel like people are, are more receptive to the idea of the effects of climate change? You're, you're not fighting that battle anymore? So I have been doing climate change work for uh, 30, 40 years now. Uh, unquestionably, people better understand that the climate has changed and more is coming that is now understood and accepted. The question is, uh, from most people talking with me and with, with my colleagues, what is it that we do about it? And part of the answer involves reducing our emissions, but another part is adapting our behavior. We have to change the way that uh, our homes are designed and taken care of, our infrastructure is looked after. Um, we have to move from a system where 
much of our decisions were based on the weather that we had in the past and changed to a system that we based on our best understanding of the weather that we should expect in the future. Paul Kovacs is the founder and executive director of the Institute for Catastrophic Loss Reduction at Western University. It's it's a great title. <laughs> it's very dramatic. And I, I really uh, appreciate your time. Thanks, Paul. Martin, thank you for the opportunity. All the very best. Happy New Year. And this is Martin Strong in for Mike this morning. And life in the single-room occupancy hotels on the downtown east side is, is not always good at the best of times. Living conditions often very poor and sometimes dangerous for some of the city's most vulnerable people. And uh, these people are often not free to speak up. Global News recently got an email from Eddie who lives at the Ivanhoe Hotel on Main Street in Vancouver. Eddie is not his real name. He's concerned that if we used his real name, he could lose his room and be tossed out on the street. And I'm going to read Eddie's email that he sent in. Uh, This is Eddie's email. I live in the Ivanhoe Hotel in Vancouver. We have no heat. People are cold and are using space heaters to try to keep warm. The result is that the fuse box keeps blowing and we have no power until the caretakers come and reset the fuse box. When the caretakers do turn the heat on, they only leave it on for an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening. Please help us. Signed, Eddie. And Eddie is with us right now. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. And uh, where are you now? I'm... I'm just inside the Avenue Hotel now. And, and it's, it's, is it still, are you, are you freezing? Uh, he, he, he left the heat on now, but the thing is, um, my room, the radiator is like over a hundred years old. So obviously it doesn't work properly. It's all kinds of messed up in this building. So basically, I would think an upgrade um, to the boiler, or perhaps even a boiler technician could come in and find out why the rooms here are not working. Right, and are there there are a lot of uh, elderly people who live at the Ivanhoe as well. Are are you kind of concerned about? Uh, are there some people you're very concerned about as well besides you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like when the power goes out, the elevator doesn't work. So basically, if we do have an emergency, then we can't use uh, the elevator to get out of the building. And that happened actually last night. The the fire alarm went off for for about 10 minutes. Wow. Yeah. So it was like a false alarm. But the thing is, if that was real, there would be a lot of people having a lot of trouble getting out. Yeah, because I I, re- I remember reading about five years ago about the elevator getting stuck and a man who was in a wheelchair who was who was stuck and he was stuck in the hotel overnight. He didn't live there. He was he was checking in on a friend. Um. So Eddie, tell me about the situation at the Ivanhoe. You you are afraid to use your real name, uh, and you believe that if you complain publicly about the fact that you have no heat in this in this minus twelve degree weather we're having in the Lower Mainland, you believe that if you complain, you'll get kicked out of the hotel. Yeah, there's there's a there's a tenant here that that's kind of on the on the manager's the owner's hit list that has complained. 
and um, as a result, he's got a victory notice. He's defeated the mall, I think, about three times. He's been evicted, but um, he he has successfully defended himself and, and uh, overturned these evictions. So knowing that, no, I don't want to use my real name. Yeah. So how difficult is it for for you to find a place at a hotel uh, on the downtown east side? If if you were evicted, how how difficult is it to find a place? Um. Right now, right now with the housing situation, the crisis we got going on, um, it wouldn't be hard if I had a whole pile of money, but I'm on disability, <laughs> and right. I actually, I actually do use a wheelchair inside my inside my residence. You know, right. so that's another thing. Whatever I try to look for, it needs to include an elevator. So, do you, do you mind if I ask you what you pay per month for rent? Um, seven and a quarter, seven twenty-five. Wow, seven hundred twenty-five dollars a month, and uh, there's no heat. So, so if you could speak to the owners of of the Ivanhoe, what what would you say to them? I've actually spoken to the owner. Um, he's he's come in to collect his mail, and obviously he comes in to collect his rent. Every month, he's well dressed. Um, nails are manicured, and you know he's he's got a nice house to live in. But he's living off people that are 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 not living as well as he is. You know, and and I would say, I would say to him, and I actually have told him, can you upgrade your electrical system? Can you upgrade? Can you actually bring in a boiler technician to find out why the heat isn't working properly in many of the rooms? And he says, no, this building's over 100 years old. We can't do that. We can't do that. You know, well, he can't do that. It's just a matter of him actually spending the money to go out and do it. And he's, he's not willing. Wow. What would you like the BC government to do? Uh, well, actually, the BC government, that I'd hopefully like them to try and get us out of here, the ones that don't have proper heat. Um, because the radiators in most of the most of the rooms don't work, work properly when the heat actually is on. Um, so, either that, they're actually forced the owner to to hire a bother technician to uh, find out why the heat's not working in many of the rooms, or have the the government actually try and come in here and have them upgrade the the electrical system so we don't have to rely on. The, the you know inefficient uh, radiator heater that's like a hundred years old. So we right. plug, plug in our own heaters, like what we've been trying. Many of us been trying to do. I don't use the heaters that I have because I know it's going to blow the system. Right. You know. So so what was like life? What was life like back in the summer when we had the heat dome? What was it like in the apartment when it was so hot? It was intolerable. It was intolerable. I, I basically like in my, you know, I just uh, had my window open fully to try and get some kind of breeze, and uh, this basically had, you know, just uh, almost nothing on because anything I had on would become soaked, you know. So um, 
there was no, I would probably leave sometime to try and get, uh, you know, relief somewhere where they had air conditioning, you know, or try and stay in an area um, like where I can get shade. If I couldn't get any place like that, then I would have to just basically stay here and, and, and suffer. Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Eddie, and I wish you the best of luck. I hope uh, I hope you can get some comfort there, and uh, hopefully uh, the, the heat or the cold will kind of die down. So thanks, Eddie. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. And sitting in for Mike this morning, Martin Strong with you. Our buzz line is 604-331-2899, 331-2899. How are you dealing with the cold and... Uh, how are you dealing with Christmas in general? Uh, this this is kind of the the zone between Christmas and New Year's. It's kind of a good time to relax after all that stress. And uh, it was kind of a stressful Christmas, the second year with health restrictions on festive gatherings because of the Omicron variant. And that just adds to all the stress that comes with socializing and the holidays. Who do we invite or not? Whose event invitation should we accept? And who should we not accept? And uh, how do we gracefully decline unwanted invitations? Uh, how do Basically, how do we make ourselves a priority during the holidays? And with me now is someone who can help. Nirmala Raniga is the founder and director of the Chopra Addiction and Wellness Center. And Nirmala is with us now. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Good morning, uh, Martin. Thanks for having me on the show today. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I guess my first question is, what's the biggest mistake that uh, people make, that we make during the holidays when it comes to our mental health? Uh, what is it? Well, the biggest mistake would be is like sometimes uh, we end up making huge, big plans. Uh, we have expectations. Of pe- from people, and uh, then we get disappointed when things don't go away. And the big one this year is, as we know, that people had planned to travel to go out on holidays. We thought we had, we can travel, but the the virus, the Omicron, actually put a big setback for everyone. And that's a huge disappointment. It's the same thing with people had plans to have a. The Christmas parties, get-togethers, family, friends, travel. Uh, there you go. We were all told we, we we had to limit our numbers to six. And, of course, the weather itself. Um, you know, back in November, we had the flood. Um, we couldn't travel. The roads were, uh, couldn't go into the interior. Uh, not only that, but with the current conditions, the weather being so cold and the snowfall, it, there, is, there is risk. So we have, um, as human beings, you know, we want to be happy. We want to be be with family. We want to be with friends. We want to celebrate. That's our nature. And then we get disappointed when uh, things go sideways. And some of these things you have to, we have to really remember it's been beyond our control. Right. Expectations. That's such a big thing uh, when it comes to the holidays, especially with New Year's. Um, New Year's, there's a lot of pressure, I think, for people to do something really special on New Year's. What do you say to people who, who are thinking, oh, I, I've got to do something really, really great on New Year's Eve? 
Well, this year I will invite people maybe to uh, do self-care, look after yourself. We, um, you know, this is one of the things where we, we forget that our mental health and well-being is so important. And while keeping things small is how can we do something fun with a small group of people, but also pay attention to ourselves. Um, when I talk about self-care, I, I really mean that taking that time for yourself, pay attention to what your body needs. Uh, if, yeah. it, if, if, if things are going to uh, cause stress and anxiety, then let's kind of look at things, what can give us relaxation. Right. Because I, I hear that phrase a lot, self-care and uh, taking care of your body. Uh, and and it's it sort of seems like a sort of a broad thing. But give, give me some examples of, of specific things that people can do right now that falls under the definition of self-care. Self-care sometimes may seem to some people selfish, but this is the most important thing one can do for themselves. Um, you know, being able to pay attention to your body because our bodies are always giving us signals. Take a break um, when, when emotions come up that are uh, painful or if you are going to get angry, your body is giving a signal. How do you balance that? So what I would suggest is during especially the holiday season, continue with a routine don't break your routine. Often people sleep in or don't get enough sleep. Sleep is such an important part of our healing. Get your average six to eight hours of sleep every day and try to get to sleep uh, uh, at a regular time. The second thing is, is meditation and mindfulness. And average human beings has about 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. And this comes through all our five senses. And when we are anxious, it goes up to about 120,000 thoughts. So if we can take a little bit of time, it's not like, you know, hours a day, maybe 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, just sit quietly. And if you are not able to do a, 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 a mantra meditation, which is a, a sound vibration, maybe listen to a guided meditation or maybe just being being present with your breath, breathing in and out and just become aware. The other thing right. is mindfulness. Mindfulness is such a huge tool. Right. So mindfulness, more. that's that's another word I hear all the time. So um, mindfulness, is it, is it just sort of understanding the signals that your body is getting, that kind of thing? Mindfulness is being present with all our senses. So for example, I'd give you an um, uh, example would be when you sit down to eat uh, your lunch or dinner, when you make your plate of food, you have salad, whatever you have on your plate, being able to see that in a way where all your five senses are present. So being able to visually see the food, then smelling it, then as you taste it, feeling the taste, smelling uh, and hearing the sounds of, of when you're chewing. Mindfulness is really when you are present with all your senses, you are aware of what's going on. Often we miss things because we are not present because our mind is wandering. 
it's either in the past or in the future. So it's a right. practice of bringing your senses in the here and now. And I guess that's a good way to, to kind of put a check on how much you eat. Because a lot of people Absolutely. during Christmas, <laughs> you eat so much. But I guess if you're <laughs> mindful, you sit down and you really, really concentrate, you're probably going to eat less, right? Yes, yes. And on that nature, you know, uh, one of the things we talk about is um, uh, nutrition, uh, you know, practicing um, healthy uh, practice during this time of the year, especially this time of the year, when we are stressed, we, we tend to overeat. Some people may not eat, uh, they would withdraw, but most people indulge into um, uh, uh, food, uh, sweets. Uh, one of the practices that, that uh, we uh, put together is called um, body intelligence um, uh, bits, body intelligence practice where we include uh, six colors and seven, uh, six tastes and seven colors in our food and try to eat in a quiet place. Um, of course, uh, when you're at a party or at a get-together, that may not be possible. Right. But, but also eat when you are hungry, right? Uh, yeah. When we are upset, we will emotionally eat and uh, yeah. sit, down, sit down to eat. Um, don't overeat. And a lot of people look at the gadgets when they're eating. They're not present. And this is Martin Strong sitting in for Mike this morning, this cold December morning. And how are you maintaining your mental health over the holidays? Let us know. Give us a call right now. Our phone lines are open. 604-280-9898. Tell us how you're coping. What are some of your uh, coping strategies? And maybe you have a question for our guest, Nirmala Raniga. She's the founder and director of Chopra Addiction and Wellness Center. And uh, we were talking about uh, mindfulness. And I thought this was great because if I understand this correctly, uh, you were talking about when eating, being mindful when you're eating. So you basically say when you look at a plate of food, for example, you should uh, pick seven colors on that plate and sort of ponder those colors before you start to eat them. Yes, being able to visually see what's on your plate and uh, um, and being present with uh, what you have put on your plate, but also smell, smell the food. Uh, and when you take that bite, you really feel the taste and hearing the sound. Uh, this is called mindfulness, and you're really present with the food. Like I said, often we miss that. You know, if we are talking with people, or if we are looking at the phones, we are not present, and the next thing we know, we have overeaten. Oh, we yeah. have taken too much food. So it's yeah. really being present. I think that's great advice. And uh, we have someone on the phone, Al from Maple Ridge. Hi, Al. Happy holidays to you. Yeah, hi. Happy holidays. Good morning. Um, I do want to say that I, I do practice, I try to practice practice rather mindfulness from time to time, like meditation. And uh, I've taken some martial arts, and so I sit with my feet underneath my knees, and it's very relaxing to do that. Uh, but what I did want to say is that it's amazing that you have your guest on because, you know, we have like a rampant, we have two pandemics going on, obviously, the, 
the one with COVID and the one with mental health. I don't know how many parents I talk to and people that, you know, are, are completely suffering and it's gotten far worse. And I, I, I frankly think her services should be like covered by the medical system because just like you go to a doctor, I think you should be able to go to a clinic like this mm-hmm. and, and get the services that she offers. I, I think it's amazing. Well, thank you, Al. I, I think that's a, that's a great point. That's a, a very innovative point. And, and what do you think about that, uh, Nirmala? Uh, this kind of mindfulness uh, exercises, these kind of mindfulness exercises, things like meditation, um, a lot of people believe that they are, are you know, important for your mental health and that they should be covered by, by insurance. Do you, do you agree? I agree 100% that... Uh these are such valuable tools um, that can um, prevent people from actually going down that rabbit hole. And, and also, um, you know, medic- medication is a tool, but I really strongly believe meditation is a better tool that if we can uh, have a practice and if we are supported through our healthcare system where um, we are guided through uh, physicians, our healthcare providers. Uh, it's covered by insurance. I think more and more people can access. However, I also want to say and share that there's a lot of um, information out also on YouTube where um, practitioners uh, are sharing these tools uh, to people, and it's more readily accessible. Um, so it is, it's a very good um, uh, point from Alcala, and I really appreciate his feedback that he's practicing mindfulness because it goes a long way, especially for your mental health. And and the other one is, I have to say, is movement. Uh, often we don't move enough. Um, exercise, whether it's yoga, whether it's Tai Chi, whether it's Pilates, it doesn't matter. Movement is so important for our body, especially with everything going on. That when, you know, when we feel depressed when we feel um, uh, uh, just in that place of uh, sadness, uh, when we do movement, our body releases, our mind, um, brains release chemicals that make us feel good. It gives us energy. These are natural ways of healing our body. Yeah. Yeah, that that's interesting. Another concept that that I hear a lot about is gratitude. Um stop I I guess you know in a way it's a kind of mindfulness but just stopping to appreciate uh what is going on in front of you. Um how important is gratitude in all this? Uh, gratitude is very important and I, I I think it's a simple practice that we can all put um together in like few minutes. Uh, asking ourselves this question first, who inspired me today? We have lots uh, of people who inspire us. It's not only uh, um, people, but looking today outside, the sun is there. That's an inspiration. I mean, we've had some really um, uh, weather in BC, uh, so much rain, uh, so much damage. But a day like this, when we look at the sun, we feel good. Uh, It's a natural healer. Uh, what brought me happiness today? Was there somebody yeah. who op- opened the door? And uh, who made you safe, uh, f- provided you a sense of uh, safety or comfort or gave you peace? I think these are the questions if we can ask ourselves, uh, we can yeah. see our bigger picture. 
Nirmala, uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. You, uh, I think you helped a lot of us get through the holidays. Uh, thank you very much. Once again, uh, happy holidays to everybody. Stay safe, take care. And uh, I think uh, we, we hope and pray that 2022 brings um, uh, wellness to all. And this is Martin Strong sitting in for Mike Smith this morning, uh, a few days after Boxing Day. Luckily for a lot of people, today is a holiday because Boxing Day was on a Sunday, Christmas on a Saturday. Uh, but a big shout out to everybody who's at work today, especially those people who have to work outside uh, or at least be outside for part of the time. Stay warm. Double took it. That's a phrase that I heard yesterday for the first time, and I heard it twice. I didn't know you could wear two toques, but apparently you can. So it's a double toque day. Uh, I recommend you do it. And and this time between uh, Christmas and New Year's is such a great time to just really veg out and watch movies, uh, whether it's on streaming mostly or even going to the theater. But streaming is is where it's at. And uh, with me right now to talk about um, some of the funnier stuff that's out there, um, some of the easygoing fare, is Kurt Smakeheld, movie critic and podcast host of Three Angry Nerds. Uh, hi, Kurt. How are you doing this morning? Doing great, Martin. How about yourself? Excellent. Excellent. Well, let's, let's start with comedy. Uh, what is good on, on, uh, on the streaming services? And I want to play this trailer from, uh, it's an animated film called the Mitchells versus the machines. We have food and entertainment for you to enjoy in our human fun pods. Who here likes fun? Hey, I like fun. Trust me, bud. You do not like fun. No, I really do like it. Everyone says that about me. You lucky human. Yay! Wow, I wish I could be in there. I don't like fun anymore! Who else wants to join him? Stay low and file up. All right, everyone, get to the car. I don't think so. Oh, what do you want to see? I know why we're yelling. But I think, I think there's a better way to eat. Stop. What would a functional family do right now? We that is The Mitchells versus The Machines, an animated film. And I recognized a bunch of voices in there. Uh, Fred Armisen, for one. Uh, but there's a ton of Conan O'Brien is in this movie, right, Kurt? Yeah, this is uh, a film with such a full cast of people that you would recognize. Uh, Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph, Eric Andre, Olivia Coleman, countless others. I mean, uh, you go through the credits of this movie and it's going to be a who's who of people you probably recognize from other movies. Yeah, Beck Bennett, I heard in there. And that's on Netflix. And uh, so it's it's one of those uh, animated films that, that pretty much anybody in the family can watch, right? Yeah, I mean, this was a movie that uh, when I was reviewing it, I mentioned that it's a movie that pretty much anybody in the family will enjoy, whether you're you know on the younger side or even an adult. There's still themes, I think, adults and people who are a little bit older will be able to recognize. Movie's just still funny for all ages, uh, whether you're young or old. So do you think it's a, it's a good year for comedies? I mean, you think about any year where we need to laugh, this would be a good one. Is it, has it been a good season for comedies? I think so. I think, uh, you know, filmmakers recognize that people are needing a bit more uh, laughs in their lives than usual, especially with the pandemic and everything. So there has been a lot more of an effort for, uh, you know, getting some good, solid comedies out there, not just ones that are out for a quick buck, but ones that are decent uh, quality as well. 
Right. Uh, I have a, a, another clip, a trailer for another comedy. It's called Together Together. Let's hear that clip. Yeah, maybe we can come up with like a gender neutral name for the interim. What's a gender neutral name? Like Pat or Tag? Well, Pat's lame and Tag is male. I don't think I should know the name. I mean, just temporary till we find out the sex and then I can give it a real name. I don't think I should know the sex either. Really? Yeah, I'm like Switzerland. I guess the less I know, the better. That's what they said in group. They're saying the opposite in my group. Great. Well, so let's just come up with something for the time being. How about peanut? I think that's too human. <laughs> that is together, together. Uh, and that was Ed Helms. Everybody knows him from The Office. Yep. Uh, and uh, the, uh, what's the other, the big movie that he was in, Ed Helms. The Hangover uh, and yes. the Hangover one through six. Um, so this looks like kind of a smart comedy. Yeah, it's a bit more of an indie comedy. So you have a lot of these creative voices who are not really necessarily working with the biggest of studios, but they still have a lot of great comedic talent. Uh, Patty Harrison uh, plays Anna, who is essentially a surrogate mother for a middle-aged man who's played by Ed Helms. And they just have such a great dynamic throughout this movie. It's really hilarious to watch as they try to basically navigate the surrogacy process, uh, especially considering that neither of them are probably necessarily fully aware of the full situation and what it entails. So it's a pretty funny movie, but it also is one that I think uh, maybe a lot of people can relate to in terms of just you know trying to basically make a connection in a world where maybe sometimes you are oftentimes on your own and maybe not really making as many connections as you could. So there's a great message behind the movie as well. Right. And I noticed it was written and directed by the same person, Nicole Beckwith, who I don't, I don't know who that is, but I always see that as kind of a positive when it's written and directed by one person, because it usually means it's not a, a committee that's done it and it's someone's vision and it's often a, a better film because of it. Would you agree? Yeah, exactly. It's basically one unified vision where sometimes the writer and director clash. In this case, uh, Nicole Beckwith, you know, she had this idea and she brought it fully to fruition on both fronts. Yeah. And uh, another movie. Uh, oh, first of all, uh, I should ask you, where can people see Together Together? It's streaming right now on Crave and then it's also available for rental as well on the digital rental platforms as well. Right. And a, a movie that I've been really looking forward to is uh, Red Rocket. Uh, let's hear uh, a, a little bit of the movie Red Rocket. I don't want to be here, all right? This is embarrassing. Well, I don't want you, you think here I want to show up like this? I got my kicked. I just need a place to crash. Why can't you, you be here? What does it look like a hotel? Really? It's like that? Can you get off the property, please? What, what, why? What are you going to do? Really? What, you're you gonna, it's, oh, really, you want me to call the cops? I'll call the cops. Don't, don't no, I'm calling the cops. Nine. Eight, seven, faster. I'm technically off the property, so you can't call the cops because I'm on public land respecting your boundaries. Can you keep it down? Can you come over here so I don't have to project my voice, please? That is Red Rocket, uh, which was directed by Sean Baker, a really interesting director who I'm guessing, Kurt, uh, you are a fan of. Yeah, in fact, uh, Sean actually lived up here in Vancouver for quite some time. I think he's moved back to L.A., but he did spend quite a bit of time in Vancouver while he was working on a movie. Uh, and, yeah, there was a few times I actually ran into him at press screenings and very various kind of junctures and whatnot. And he actually mentioned, oh, okay, I'm working on this movie, Red Rocket. You'll see it soon. Uh, I actually saw it at the Vancouver Film Festival, uh, and that's where I first saw it. And I instantly fell in love. It's just such a well-done, funny movie that, uh, you know, it's funny in a way that I think it's contemporary.
pretextual to a lot of different things, including uh, the U.S. election of uh, Donald Trump there, which they kind of use as background throughout this movie. Right. And Sean Baker, uh, people might remember The Florida Project. He did that movie. And then he also did a movie that I was really impressed with called Tangerine. It was an indie movie that it didn't get seen by a lot of people, but he made it with two iPhone 5s. Yeah, and interestingly enough, people are now starting to ter- say that Tangerine is a Christmas movie, which I'm not quite fully sold <laughs> on that argument yet, but, uh, you know, people are starting to have those conversations. Yeah, it's about uh, two transgendered sex workers, and it's it's surprisingly very, very funny. Uh, so mm-hmm. Red Rocket, where can people see Red Rocket? It's playing right now uh, at some Cineplex uh, locations throughout the greater Vancouver area, so people can always check their showtimes on the Cineplex website. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, a movie you probably want to see in theaters too. There's certain moments that when you're laughing alongside uh, others in a comfortable space, it can make it even more enriching as an experience. This is Martin Strong sitting in for Mike this morning. We're talking movies. If you have a recommendation this holiday season about a movie, let us know. 604-331-2899, the buzz line. You can record your message and tell us what you're watching and what you like. Kurt Smakel is with us. He's a movie critic and the host of the podcast, Three Angry Nerds. And uh, we're talking dramas now. Would you say... Uh, uh, it was a good a good season for dramas. There, there's some good ones on this list that we're going to go through. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, many different genres uh, all kind of had to sort of pivot a little bit in their distribution models to fit the pandemic. And, you know, dramas are ones that uh, I always find are a little bit better of a theater-going experience. Uh, but, of course, you know, with the pandemic, everyone had to watch movies a little bit differently than we're used to. But I think still you're still getting some quality movies, if anything, maybe slightly uh, less of an experience in my personal opinion, watching at home, but still the movies are, are solid and of themselves. Right. And, and there's the, the big, huge, obvious blockbusters, the Spider-Man movie, a Dune. Uh, but I want to look at a few ones that uh, people might not know about Judas and the black Messiah. Let's, let's play the uh, trailer from that movie. Let's hear it. Repeat after me. Kind of a visual trailer, but Judas and the Black Messiah. Tell us about this film, Kurt. Yeah, so it's the story of Bill O'Neill, who's played by Lakeith Stanfield, and he has to infiltrate the Black Panthers on the orders of the FBI and uh, basically monitor their leader, uh, Fred Hampton, who's played by Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, both names people should probably recognize from various other movies. And uh, yeah, it's basically a story of uh, Bill basically rising through the ranks of the Black Panthers and while he is kind of getting in close with them and starting to kind of, I guess, sort of sympathize with their cause and sort of starting to lean towards them, he also is on the orders of the FBI. And so a lot of times throughout the movie, his sort of decisions and the things he has to do weigh heavily on him. And even by the time the end of the movie comes, you can tell that, you know, there's a lot of conflict in that man. And it's just a, such a great story and such a well-told story that uh, even you, I think, will the viewer will be 
just like uh, Bill O'Neill kind of conflicted on what uh, is going on throughout the movie there. Yeah, I love a movie where, where it's really nuanced and, and mm-hmm. it, it's not all black and white. Yeah. Yeah, so, so where can people see Judas and the Black Messiah? So it's currently streaming on Crave, and it's also available for download on Apple iTunes and other various uh, you know, movie rental or purchasing websites there. Right on. And the next movie we're going to look at is one I hear a lot about. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing this. It's called The Green Knight, and this is what it sounds like. Why do you stop me? I cannot tarry. Oh, that way. I'm going to do as I can. You will find no mercy, no happy end. What witchcraft is this? No witchcraft. He you seek is as wild as I, but knows no measure. I know what I face. If any man truly knew, he would bear his shame happily and turn away head held high to end his song as he saw fit. His secret would be safe with me. Are you this man? That is The Green Knight. And Kurt, this is a a movie that uh, takes place in medieval times. Yeah, it's basically based on an Arthurian legend tale. Sorry, Uh, And uh, it's the story of Sir Gawain, uh, King Arthur's uh, nephew, is he basically, uh, you know, attacks uh, the titular Green Knight and is told within a year's time he has to basically head back to visit the Green Knight to uh, basically die. And it's a man basically coming to terms with the fact that, you know, his responsibility is just to go out to this place and die, essentially. And it's such a uh, deep, uh, very uh, kind of insightful story that I think has a lot to kind of touch on thematically. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much of it for people because there is a lot uh, that you could spoil despite uh, the seemingly simple task that the uh, character is embarking on. But such a great cast, too. You've got Dev Patel, Alicia Vicklander, Joel Edgerton, uh, Barry Keegan as well. Such a great cast. So definitely recommend you check this movie out. Right. And, and finally, the Kenneth Branagh, uh, almost autobiographical film called Belfast. Let's uh, hear that one. Or maybe we don't have it. We're kind of running out of time anyway. Actually, okay. let's let's just skip it because we're running out okay. of time. But uh, it's a great movie, apparently. Uh, and uh, Kenneth Branagh directed it and wrote it. And uh, this is kind of semi-autobiographical, right, Kurt? Yeah, it's based on his life uh, in the uh, basically conflict-ridden uh, Ireland at the time with the civil unrest and all that. But uh, even despite all that, he tells a really heartwarming story that's both charming and fun, but also has some drama to it as well. Yeah, that uh, it, it, it just sounds like a, this is one of his uh, passion projects that he just had to do himself. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. Well, Kurt Smakel uh, is a movie critic and podcast host at Three Angry Nerds. And where is Belfast playing now? Is, is it in theaters? Yeah, it's playing in theaters. I think it's start, slowly starting to come out of theaters. So you can also find it on digital rental platforms as well. Right, right. Well, thank you, Kurt. And uh, we will be talking to you soon and enjoy uh, your life at the movies. <laughs> thank you.